Well, hello. Welcome back to Revive, uh, another week. Uh, and this week we are uh, wrapping up our Does My Life Matter lesson section series. So uh, it's going to be a big night. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of things. And so uh, I'm excited to dive into this for you. Uh, tonight we're going to talk about the idea of a life of love. And uh, this week, being Valentine's and all, uh, it's, it's the time of love, but this series, as we were walking through, it just hits perfectly as we uh, have just kind of been walking through Romans and looking at this idea of, uh, does my life matter? And this section in my Bible is entitled, The Believer's Triumph. And we're really going to see tonight how God's love poured out on us impacts the way that we live our life. It shows us that our life matters and then it impacts the way that we live for other people as well. You see a question at the top of your sheet, and the question is this. How would you describe love? So we had the freestyle moment a few minutes ago where a few people had to draw love. But I want to hear some, a little bit of feedback. So how would you describe love? This is the point where you, you can talk back in this section. All right, so the love chapter, right? Patient, kind, all of those things. Anybody else? How would you describe love? Me and you. What? <laughs> me and you. Me and you. Your feelings toward me. Okay. All right, we got Webster over in the corner. An, in an intense emotion where you care deep about somebody. That is probably the exact Webster dictionary term for it. So, yes. A lot of different ways you, you can describe love. You can say, well, love is how I feel towards somebody, like Lucas feels toward me. And uh, you could say, you know, love is a person, Jesus, like Emmy wrote on her paper and helped her win the, the game earlier. Love is, by definition, an intense emotion where you feel deeply about somebody. We, uh, and Brother Clay has talked about this as of recent, but we use the word love just kind of, we just kind of throw it around, right? We say, I love you, I love the Titans, I love baseball, I love when the sun is out, uh, you know, I love my bed and my mom. So we throw, we throw around a lot of uh, different terms that we say that we love things, but then we talk about God loving us and us loving God, and, and sadly our uh, definition or our understanding of love can be wrong sometimes, or we can get a bad picture of love because those in our life who have told us that they loved us have hurt us or done something wrong toward us or, or, or uh, we've been let down because of it. And so, so many times when we hear, God loves me, we might not truly understand what that means. So tonight we're going to see how because of God's love toward us, how that changes our life and how because of God's love we can live a life of love. So we're going to be in Romans chapter 8. The verses will be on the screen. Follow, follow along as we read this. It says this, which is different than what is up there. No, yeah, it's the same. Good. All right, I was looking at the wrong spot. Ignore that. Moving on. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare His own Son, but offered Him up for us all. How will He not also with Him, being God, grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. 
Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more, He has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of God? Can affliction or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written in Psalm 44:22, Because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than victorious through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded that not even death or life, angels or demons, things present or things to come, hostile powers, height or depth, or any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We're going to see four things tonight on this idea of a life of love. And the first thing we see is the ones against us. The ones against us. So when you think about life, and I were, if I were to ask you the question, and this isn't a time to talk back, this is just a time to think, reflect. Who would you say is against you? There might be several things that come up. You might think of a person that's constantly kind of a thorn in your side, a rock in your shoe. It seems like everything you do, they're against you. They're frustrating. You might think, if you play athletics, another school or competition, people you compete against, they're against us because we play against them. We compete against them. You might think of uh, maybe an authority figure who has been in your way or you've gotten in trouble through, and so you think that they're against you because of any of those things. Uh, but we see in this story, or in, in these first few verses here, the idea of if God is for us, who can truly be against us? And the truth is, you and I tonight, while we have a lot of people against us, the main person, the main thing, the driving force that if you are a Christian is against you and fights to take your attention and take your time and take your focus every single day is Satan. The Bible describes him as your adversary. He is literally the opponent to God because Satan wants to do everything he can to steal God's glory. Satan has already been kicked out of heaven. His glory has been stripped. His power has been stripped. And he knows that his time is limited. And so in the little time that he has, he wants to do everything he can to get you to trip up, to not follow God, and to forget that your life matters and that you don't have purpose. So we have to remember the ones who are against us if we're thinking about this idea of love. Because Satan, as your adversary, Satan as the one against you, will try to convince you your life doesn't matter. The actions you make don't matter. The words that you say don't matter. The friends that you have around you don't matter. The decisions you make. Ryan, I'm just in middle school. Ryan, I'm just in high school. It, does it really matter if I do this with my friends, if I watch this with my friends, if I say this with my friends? If I go and hang out and when we do these things... Does, does that really matter? Satan, the adversary, wants to lie to you and tell you that you can live however you want to live, and at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, it, your life, oh, you, you have the rest of your life to live for Jesus. And I'm here to tell you, the one who is against you will try to keep you from seeing that your life matters. So not only do you see the one against you, but you see the accusation on us, or the accusation against you. So, what is an accusation? Well, an accusation is if somebody tries to say that you are something or that you did something that you may or may not have done. 
There's one thing that I can't stand more than probably anything, and it's being falsely accused of something. Somebody saying, well, you said this or you did this, and I'm like, I didn't say that. I didn't do that. What are you talking about? I didn't do any of those things. False accusations, right? That's probably happened to you, right? You were accused of doing something that you didn't do. Well, Satan not only will bring up false accusations in your mind, he'll start making you think that person doesn't love you. That person doesn't care about you. God doesn't truly love you. God doesn't care about you. You know what you did. You know who you are. Why would God, why would God love you? Satan's biggest attack against you is to try to get your identity screwed up. And if you don't think that's true, I want you to look at the temptation of Jesus in the book of Matthew. It's going to be on the screen. Matthew 4, 1 through 6. Just listen to these verses and read, read along in your mind with me. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. See, we see that temptation is not a sin. Even Jesus himself was tempted. It's what we do when Satan tries to tempt us that is the determining factor. Are we sinning or are we not? So Jesus had fasted for 40 days and nights, and he was hungry. I fast for 40 minutes, and I'm hungry most of the time. It says, Then the tempter approached, so Satan, the one who accuses, approached Jesus and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Not going to lie to you, if I was hungry and I had that ability, why wouldn't you do it, right? I mean, boom, if you could just make bread appear and you're hungry, like I don't want to walk to the kitchen to get ramen. Oh, it's great after I go and get it, but if I could have ramen sitting at my bedside, trust me, I would do it. So that's what he tempts him with. Just get your hot and ready right here. If you, you can do it, just at your word that comes out of your mouth. But Jesus answered, it is written, man must not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will give His angels orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. In both of those accusations, in both of those temptations that Satan gave to Jesus, what did he attack? Not only did he attack his trust in God, he attacked the identity of Jesus. Satan, the accuser, had the audacity to stand before the creator of the universe and say, if you are who you say you are, then do this. If Satan has the audacity to try to fracture the identity of the creator of the universe, don't you think he's going to have the audacity to try to do that in your life as well? Won't, won't he say, if, if you're truly a Christian, then why don't you do this? If God truly loved you, then why is, why is it not, uh, not okay for you to do this? Oh, God, if, if God truly loved you, would he let you go through this? If you were truly a Christian, if you truly were a Christ follower, do you think you would think the thoughts that you think? Do you think you would do the things that you do? Man, you're not a Christian. You, you don't mean nothing. Your life doesn't matter. Satan is trying to make accusations against you. He's trying to make you think that God doesn't love you, that others around you don't love you, and that your life doesn't matter. And if I'm, if I'm going to tell you anything, if you don't listen to anything I ever say ever again, listen to this. God, your Father and Creator, loves you enough that He did not even spare His own Son for you. What are you worth? Is your life worth something? You are worth Jesus to God. It says he didn't even spare his son, but yet the accuser tries to make you think that you're worthless. The accuser will attack your identity. It's time for us to stand up and not let him do that anymore.
So we see the ones against us. We see the accusations on or against us. Third, we see the affliction to us. Affliction is this idea of pain or suffering. We've all went through different afflictions or persecutions or heartaches or difficulties. And when all of these things happen, sometimes we question God and we say, God, why would you continue these things on us? And the accuser, what is he going to do? He's going to whisper in your ear, man, if God really loved you, he wouldn't let these bad things keep happening to you. If God really cared about you, don't, don't you think he would try to keep you from experiencing this pain and this heartache? If God truly loved you, wouldn't he just take this out? If you were truly a good Christian, wouldn't you handle this situation better, man? I'll be honest with you. I've went through a lot of difficult situations. And I wish I could say that every single time I had full trust in God. But to be honest, I, I haven't always. I've questioned God and said, God, like, I know that your way is, per is perfect. And I know that your Bible tells us that, that you have a purpose and a plan through everything. But God, I just don't understand it. And when the afflictions, when the hard times come in your life, the first thing that the accuser is going to try to start planting is the idea that God doesn't love you anymore. But the Bible, man, it lays out for us so beautifully what can separate us from God. Can affliction, can hard times separate you from God? Sure it can. But why? It doesn't separate you from God because of God. It separates you from God because of you. You get to make that choice. Because if you are willing to work in your relationship with Jesus and trust in Him, then the Bible asks us this rhetorical question, a question that doesn't deserve a response. What can separate us? Can affliction, can hard times, can anguish or persecution, not having any food, not having any clothes, being afraid of being killed, will any of that separate you from God? It says no. Because we can be put to death all day long. We can be lined up like a bunch of livestock and slaughtered for meat. But you know what? In all these things, even if our earthly bodies are thrown away, even if the worst things in life happen, listen to what God's Word tells us. We are still victorious through Jesus. And isn't that so comforting tonight? That even if the world pours down wrath on us, even if the world hates us, even if everybody turns their back on us, we are still the winners in the end if we have Jesus in our lives. We have still experienced the greatest love we could ever experience through Jesus Christ, through God. God loves you so much, and He wants your life to matter. He wants you to see your life matters. The affliction to us. Lastly, the award for us. I love verses 37 through 39 because they answer this last question, what reward do we have for following God? A lot of people will say heaven, and that's true. A lot of people, like... Heaven is the reason that they get saved. Obviously, we don't want to go to hell. But not only do we have a heaven that's waiting for us one day, we have a heaven that can live inside of us right now. Our relationship with Jesus, our relationship with God, is the award we receive for experiencing this love of God. Listen to this. Listen to verses 37 through 39. It says, We are victorious through Him who what? Who loved us. For I'm persuaded that not even death or life, angels or rulers. So these things, we all, we're worried about what do we think is the greatest power in the world? Oh, I think death is powerful. Oh, I think life is powerful. No, you know what's even more powerful than that? Angels, man. Angels are powerful. No, no, no. Earthly rulers are more powerful. No, no. The, the things right now in my life, man, they're, they're way bigger. No, I'm waiting for my future. Those things, they impact my mind now. 
all these hostile powers, these things against me, whatever. It says none of that can separate you from God's love. God's love is your reward. And tonight, as we're thinking about, as we're ending up this idea of does my life matter, you're probably sitting here thinking, Ryan, you don't understand what I've been through. You don't understand what I've done. You don't understand the, the life that I've lived. Or you don't understand how many times I've went to the altar and prayed and went back and still lived the same life tomorrow. You know, I, I love the, the hymn, Just As I Am. Like, we don't sing that hymn as much anymore as we probably used to. But it's true. Or like, I think it's Crowder that sing, sings Come As You Are. Anybody? Maybe? Yeah? I'm terrible at like matching artists with songs, so surprising there. But like this idea, just as I am, or come as you are. And that's true. You don't have to clean yourself up to come to God. God will accept you just as you are. But here's the thing about God's love. While He will take you just as you are, He will not leave you just as you are. God wants to build you into His masterpiece. And so if you just say, well, I'm going to come to God just as I am, but I'm going to stay as I am, then you have such a small picture of what the gospel means for your life. Because while God accepts you just as you are, He wants to mold and shape you into His Son, Jesus. Which means there's some areas in your life, there's some things in your life that are going to have to change. There's some areas that you should start feeling convicted about because it's contrary to God's Word. You know, the world that we live in today would like to tell you, you can live however you want to live, and that's fine because God's love trumps all. And while tonight is a lesson of love, you can't truly understand God's love if you don't understand God's justice. God loves you enough that He allows you to choose Him or hell. God has never sent anyone to hell. We've chosen it. We have a choice. Do we want to follow God or do we want to follow ourselves? And if you say, well, I'm just going to say a prayer. I'm just going to bear the name Christian and say I'm a Christian, but I'm going to continue to live however I want to live. And I'm not going to pay attention to God's Word. I'm still going to continue in the lifestyle I've lived before. That's not a true relationship with Jesus Christ. That's not truly showing God that you feel like your life matters to Him. That's thinking that your will and your opinion matters more than Him. If you're not willing to say, God, I'm willing to be molded and shaped into the person that you're calling me to be, because I promise you, God's plan for your life so much better than your plan for your life. If I, were, like if, if I could go back to the age you are right now, you were to sit me down and say, Ryan, whenever, you know, 10 years, 15 years, whatever, this is who you are going to be, this is who you're going to become. These are the opportunities that you're going to get to do. I would have told you you were crazy. I never in my wildest dream had this in mind for myself. And in 10 and 15 and 20 more years, I can't imagine now what God has in store for me in the future. But here's the thing. I have the choice to be obedient to God or not. And if I don't choose to follow God's plan for my life, if I don't choose to say, God, I know my life matters to you, and my, my award is not only coming into relationship with you, but me being molded to look more like you, if I'm not willing to say that, then you know what? God will let me look like the world. He'll let me blend in with the world and just become 
another brainwashed robot to just go through the motions and fill that God-shaped void in my heart with all of the things that this world has to offer. And God will allow that same thing to you. If you want to let earthly relationships, earthly fame or fortune, hobbies or people, whatever you can fill the blank in with, God will allow you to pursue those things over Him. But I can promise you one thing. Those things will continually, time and time again, leave you empty. Always searching for more. Always wanting more. Never being able to feel that high. But I can promise you something tonight. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you will experience a love. You will experience a sense of, pers- uh, of purpose and passion under like, uh, unlike anything you've ever seen before. Because the life of love experiences great reward. And because we experience great reward, it doesn't matter who's against us. It doesn't matter what accusations Satan makes. It doesn't matter the affliction or pain or suffering we go through. Because all of that is so tiny compared to the award that lies before us. So my question for you is this. Are you going to leave here tonight living like your life matters? The band's going to come up. They're going to sing a last song. And we're going to enter into a time of response. And I'll tell you this. We've talked about this idea of you have a choice. You can leave here tonight choosing to not be changed at all. You can leave here tonight exactly how you came here and God will allow you to. But my hope is that a few of you, because I can see the potential. I can see the potential in the room. There are some of you who are ready to make such a huge impact and difference for God. Because if you weren't ready for that, Satan would leave you alone. But there's some of you that have been so attacked here recently. There's been so many temptations thrown in your way. There's been so many of you questioning your identity, questioning your purpose. There's been so many of you that have fallen in and made poor mistakes. And what, and what do I know? I know that when all of those things happen, it means that you are at a crossroads of whether you're either going to turn the fire up and live for Jesus unlike any way you've lived before, or you're going to give up and you're going to walk away. Some of you are standing at that crossroads tonight. Some of you have felt conviction every time you walk through the doors and then you just ignore it and leave and try to just suppress it down and say, God, you surely aren't calling me to that because does my life really matter that much? And I'm here to tell you tonight it does. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to sing a song in just a minute. We're going to have leaders standing in the back or on the sides. If you have a question about a relationship with Jesus or furthering your walk with Him or baptism or whatever it is, come talk to us. Maybe tonight you just need to come to the altar, to this stage and treat it like an altar and say, God, help me take my relationship with you to the next level. Help me to be a leader. Help me to make a difference. Help me to really show others my life matters because I know it matters to you. After service is over, When the lights come back up and people start leaving and heading to Zaxby's, I'm going to be sitting right here waiting. And so if you don't want to come up in front of everybody, you can come to me after. And we can just be sitting there and talking. I would love to talk to you about it. But I don't want you to leave here not knowing that your life can make such a big difference. Your life could impact not just the people in this room or the people at your school. You could change the world. You could change eternity. God allows us to make an impact for Him. So my question is, will you start doing that tonight? Will you live a life of love?